Welcome to the My Big Church Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear a message of hope and inspiration from one of our pastors. We hope you enjoy the message. This is the Big Church Podcast. The Holy Spirit brought something to my attention that when ever there's a fire, have you ever wondered where the fire trucks are going? Have you ever followed a fire truck and, and wanted to see Maybe in our mind, we wanted to see something burn. God says, I'm about to light up some fires in this room. And people are gonna be drawn to watch you burn. They're gonna be drawn to, to the place where God wants us to burn so brightly for him that the world's not gonna have to ask if you're a Christian. They're not gonna have to wonder what you are on your job that when you burn so brightly for him, that there's not gonna be any doubt of who you are in him. So come on, let's start burning for Jesus. Let's start burning for Jesus. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all are, how many of y'all are good this morning? Y'all feeling good? Come on, feels good in this place. I'm about to start sweating in just a few minutes, but it's gonna be good and gooder if we can get, if that's even a word. Gooder, come on. Y'all know I'm from the hill, I'm a hillbilly. Uh, kind of continuing our talk just a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this for several weeks and we've got this week and next week and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that when it happens. Uh, but I just want to kind of recap a little bit uh, that we went over just a little bit about the Holy Spirit is a who and not a what. The Holy Spirit is someone that it can be, that is your friend. He's not some mystical force out there. He's not the Star Wars uh, force out there. He's out there to be reckoned with. He is a friend that is with you each and every day to lead and guide you and direct you. And a few weeks ago, I told you about some of my experiences growing up and, and, and how kind of strange it was a little bit and how weird it could be at times. But I just wanna let you know that as we talk about this today, that the Holy Spirit is not someone to, that, that you can judge by how much makeup you wear, whether it's less or remember, anybody remember the Tammy Faye Baker days? Where you could, I mean, she'd be crying, there'd be makeup flying everywhere. Mary Kay was happy when that was going on. But I mean, it was judged by how much makeup you didn't wear or how much you did wear. Uh, it was judged by how long your dress sleeves could be or how, sh how long your uh, shirt would be. And if you had your hair up in a bun, they often used to say those ladies that had their hair up in a bun, the higher their bun was, the closer to heaven they, they were. And let me just tell you this before I go on. There was some ladies that had their hair up in a bun that could reach the throne room of God. And I'm not up here making, uh, making any uh, uh, joke or anything like that. There were some ladies that could touch God by, just by being in his presence and where they are. But the job of the enemy is this. He's to convince you that the Holy Spirit is weird. That is his job. Do you know why he is? To, listen, can I tell you something? There are some weird people. There are some people that were weird before they got saved. We want to judge about how weird some people are. Well, they're a spirit-filled Christian. And but let me tell you, before they came to Christ, they probably were already weird. And you, they probably showed that already. So I just want to let you know that, that God is not a weird God. But what he wants you to do is, is he wants to author confusion in what's going on. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. 
The enemy is the author of confusion, but you know why he confuses? Because he knows the power and he knows the advantage of a believer if you understand who the Holy Spirit can be in your life. He knows that if you would get in full capacity and you would get on fire and you would get in the place where you need to be for God, that is a church that right he's scared to death of. He wants to make it so confusing and so weird for you that you, will not, you won't even want to talk about it because we've, we have a culture right now, I was just reading an article yesterday, where we don't want to talk about things. But that's why it said to this, that's why he's made it controversial and he's made it misunderstood. But the title of my message is this morning is let's talk about it. Have you ever, have you ever gotten to a place where somebody said, hey, we're going to talk and we're going to talk about it? Usually you know something is coming beyond that to where I better pay attention or I'm in trouble or some of those things are coming are happening. But we're going to talk about it. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't, it doesn't make it go away. Just because you ignore something, just because you don't speak about something, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So we're going to talk, and you're about to say, oh, don't, I don't even know if you need to go there, Pastor, but we're going to talk about tongues this morning. Woo! Can I just be honest with you? I had a two-hour sermon on this. There is so much information, and I'm probably not going to hit it all today, but I want you to leave here with the understanding of what tongues are in relation to, to the church. So again, like I said, if I leave some stuff out, it wasn't because I didn't. I was deleting and doing all this stuff. So here we go. Acts 2-4, we get an introduction to the upper room in Acts, as I said a few weeks ago, that they were all up there. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Here's what happened. They were in a time where everybody was in Jerusalem because the feasts were going on. There were people from, from all over, nationalities and countries. And I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna teach you just a little bit this morning. I may not get fired up as much as I'd like to, I like to, but there were people from all over the country, different languages, different places. They were there because of the festival of the feasts. And it says in Acts 2, 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the heaven, every nation under the heaven. And when, they sat, and when that sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own, say language, language. in his own tongue. The definition of tongue is a language. Yeah. And I'm gonna go here in just a minute. Tongues, number one, tongues are for a sign. Acts 2.7 says this, a lot of Bible this morning, y'all pay attention. Then they all were amazed and they marveled saying to one another, look, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Here are the 120, there was a miracle that happened. The 120 were talking in a language they had never heard before. Can you imagine all of a sudden something coming over you and you're speaking Chinese, you're speaking German, you're speaking French, you're speaking Arabic, you're speaking all these things. So when the tongues landed upon them, it was not something that nobody could understand. Oh, I'm going somewhere and y'all getting ready to throw a shoe at me. It was not something that they could not understand because they, all these people were around the town and they heard these people coming out and all of a sudden the Chinese heard them speaking in Chinese. The uh, French heard them speaking in French. I'm just making these, I don't know if they're Chinese or French, but they all heard them speaking in their own language. Do you know why? Because God is not the author of confusion. Yeah. 
He's not the author of coming in and making you speak or say anything that's not gonna edify, which means to build up the church. The Galileans also were hillbillies. I'm a hillbilly. And they were saying, are these Galileans? Are these the people that are doing this thing? They're the most uneducated people. How in the world? That was the second mirror because that was for a sign. It was to show them, listen to what I wrote down here. God will choose, doesn't always choose the best. He chooses the willing. He didn't choose the best of the best. The disciples were not the best of the best, but they were willing to go up into a room. They were willing to stay where God wanted them to be. They were willing to wait on God to say, God, I don't know what you're about to do, but I'm about to just, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stay here till you tell me what you're gonna do. God cho didn't choose the best, he chose the willing. Here's what he did. He removed the language barriers to unify the church. Everybody was... Oh, help me, Jesus. Everybody was speaking their own language. Everybody was going in the direction they wanted to go into. God wants to break down all of those barriers in the church. Once we start speaking the same language, the real church is gonna be birthed. Once the Baptists and the Methodists and the um, Pentecostals and all of them, when we start speaking God's language, you're about to see a revival happen in this country. Come on. You're about to see something happen that you've not seen before. But reason that we've not been able to see that is we're not speaking the same language. That is not competition out there. Those are people that need to be speaking the same language and we need to be speaking some time of their language also. I'm going on. Acts 2.11 it said the Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them speaking. Here's the reason. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. They were not just out there randomly saying things. Oh, God, help me. They were not out there just saying random things. They were talking about the creator of the world. They were talking about what God had done in their lives. They were manifesting what God, those three years that God took those disciples through that training period Number two, Pastor Mindy spoke about this, tame your tongue a few weeks ago. But number two is tongues should be tamed. Whew. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, listen to this, and they all speak in tongues, and there came in someone who is uninformed or an unbeliever, they will, they will say that that place is out of its mind. Again, a few weeks ago, I told you that I didn't like to invite people to my home church when I was a kid growing up because you never know, you never knew what was gonna happen. When, you, when people come in here, our job is to win a lost and dying world to Jesus. And the Bible says you do everything in decency and in order. And if people come in and they see chaos, they're not gonna come back. I, I, help me, Lord. Paul was speaking to a Corinthian church that had found a gift. You ever get something and all of a sudden you're getting really good at it and you want, come on Xboxers, how about, come on you players out there. You get really good at it and you just stay at it and you're staying at it and you're staying at it, but you get good at it. The Corinthians had found out the gift of speaking in tongues and you know what they did? They were getting good at it. But what they did is they exalted it and they made it more than what it was supposed to be. Everybody was coming in, church was about to happen and you had 150 people running around speaking in languages that nobody knew, nobody could understand. And, and, and when that happened, it caused confusion. 
And he was saying, listen, this is a gift of God. I'm about to talk about the gift. He said, this is a gift, but you have to experience it and you have to use it correctly. He says, I wish that all y'all spoke in tongues as much as I do, but if you don't have the, the correct way and use of what it is, it is of no use. This is the Bible speaking to you right now. I am a spirit-filled uh, Tongue talking, believing in the tongues, but I want you to understand the reason why sometimes this don't church sort of look like that church. Well, I want you to understand today that God is looking for someone who can speak the language of this world out there right now. Here's the one I love tongues are for prophecy. It says this in, in 24 but if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, you just gotta love the Bible. I, I, I was, as I was going through this, I was like, man, I got so much scripture. But I'm like, I don't have to preach nothing if I just read the Bible because it's all plain. He says, if an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, love this part, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Once he convinces you and once he convicts you, you're gonna fall down on your face. And he worships God and report that God is truly among you. When, they, when people walk in this church, I want them to say God was there. I don't want them to say the worship team did an awesome job or the pastor did a great job or all this. I want them to walk in this place and say, God is truly there. We're hearing people that are walking out of here say, man, I feel the presence of God when I walk in here. That is what we pray for because the preaching won't, the preaching won't make you do something. The worship team can't help you get along, but when the Holy Spirit grabs hold of you, that's what changes everything. It says, in the secrets of the heart, Jesus met a woman at the well and he just heart started having a conversation with her. And he said, you've had five husbands and you got one you're living with right now. She's like, oh, hmm, how's this dude know? I just met him like 10 minutes ago and he's already telling me things. When the Holy Spirit allows you to read people's mail, that's when it changes. I can remember a time when, when God would, would speak to different individuals and you would be talking to random strangers and all of a sudden they would be coming up and say, God told me that your dad has cancer and you're really having a hard time. Dude, I just met you five minutes ago. How do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit is one that wants to speak to you and wants to tell you the things that are happening in your life so that not you can hold it on for yourself, but that you can tell the world about it. Because how much can you get the attention of someone if you start like this woman and you start telling them everything that happened in their life, they're gonna say, man, I'm telling you what, I don't know how they knew that. Well, then you can introduce them to the Holy Spirit. Let me read this to you. Tongues are a gift. A lot of times what happens, I'm just telling you some of my growing ups and the things I've dealt with, fear that you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fear and unworthiness will keep you from where God wants you to take. God has a gift for you and you cannot measure yourself to someone else. There used to be times, I'm gonna go on here just a moment. Fear there are, there was, there's also been something in the church that says that if you don't speak in tongues, 
you're not going to heaven. False. False. Tongues are a gift and tongues should be used. And, and I'm gonna ask you to tell you how to seek it. But salvation, Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We had a group that used to come and, and they were taught in error that because they, could, they, did, they couldn't receive or they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that somehow, help me Jesus, there was somehow they had a deficiency in them and they could not go any farther with God. And all that does when you do that is, is build up walls and say, well, I'm not good enough. I'll never be able to. I'm gonna tell you a story about my dad. My dad was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's his story. My grandfather was dying. And my dad had been going to this church that was kind of forceful of the Holy Spirit. And he had tried. I mean, he said, I had prayed and I had sought after God and, and, I, and I was feeling less than. I was feeling like, man, I must not be good enough because other people are doing this and it's not happening to me. But one day he went into church and he was basically there at a prayer meeting like we're gonna have here in a few weeks. I really recommend you coming to our prayer night July the 3rd because God's gonna change something in this city. But he was praying there and he knelt down in the seat and he started praying. And he said, I was just, he said, I was broken. He said, I just needed something from God. I didn't know what I was doing. My dad was dying and I was just, I had a lot of thoughts going through my mind. And he said, so as I knelt down and prayed, he said, as I was praying, the Lord, I, I just was praying words and all of a sudden I heard, and he said, I looked around and he was like, what the world was that? And so he said, I went down and I was back. I was praying in English and I was just praying. And all of a sudden I started hearing words that I could not make up on my own. He said, I started hearing things that had to come from the throne room of God. So he said, you know what I did? He said, I got up and moved to a different place. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, somebody's gonna hear me and they're gonna think I'm crazy. See, he said, I moved over about four pews over and I got down, I knelt down again and I was praying in English again. And all of a sudden he said, I started speaking a language that I had never heard before. I could never think. And he said, it was an overwhelming peace that came over me at that time. Do you know why? Because Romans 8, 26 says this, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. He needed to be comforted at that time. He needed answers at that time. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. If you don't know what to pray, get down and say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just want you to pray for me. It says, I'll give you the utterances that you need to speak. The prayer language, in your prayer language, you know what it does? It builds you up. It is a barrier that the enemy cannot... He can't infiltrate what he doesn't understand. Sometimes you can pray in English and he can understand your thoughts and he can, not, no, no, no. He can understand what comes out of your mouth. I'm sorry, he doesn't know your thoughts. But he understands what comes out of your mouth. But when you speak in a heavenly language, you don't know. And sometimes you don't even know what you're, anybody, I'm not gonna ask this, but the prayer language, when it comes out, do you understand it all the time? I don't. There's times when I'm like, what in the world was that? But it says that's the communication that you have between you and God that the enemy can't get in the middle of. Next week, what you need to do is you need to desire, the Bible says, desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You need to seek after what God wants you to be. And then you need to be patient. 
That God sometimes, he doesn't, the Bible says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. When I saw all these little kids over here worshiping, I said, God, you're pouring your spirit out upon them right now. I see a generation coming up right now that's gonna glorify you and praise you. We have to be patient. Well, let me tell you what we do. Next week, we have a, a guest speaker coming in. He was here a couple weeks ago for the refuge. His name is Tim Jones. And let me tell you what, and I want, and this is my part to tell you. He is going to speak on listening prayer. You know what listening prayer is? It's listening and saying what God says. Speak when spoken to. Have you ever had that said to you when you were a kid or even as an adult? You speak when you're spoken to. Be very, very, very careful what you speak over someone's life and say, God told me. I could preach for two hours about that. But God told me this. Well, you didn't say anything that's relevant to my life. I've had people speak over my life and the whole time they're telling me that the Lord is saying this to me and I'm like, he ain't telling you that. That has nothing to do with my life. So he's gonna be here next week speaking and he's also gonna be praying over people. And if you were here at Refuge Night, I mean, they lined up and stayed here for two hours. He said, I'm gonna be praying. And when he spoke over my life, I could tell that it was God speaking through him because he was speaking the truth. Let me go on here a minute. I'm getting a little bit, I, got, I still got two hours to go. Just kidding. Why was the Holy Spirit sent? John 16, seven says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Why does Jesus have to tell him, tell him that he's telling the truth? Because he wants him to pay attention. I'm about to say something to you that you need to pay attention to and it's gonna be truth that's gonna save your life. It is for your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Verse eight. And when he had come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. When we hear the word convict, what does that mean? What does that raise up in our, in our hearts? Oh my gosh, I must be guilty of something, right? I've been convicted. I've been convicted a couple of times of, of some things in my life that I was guilty of. But convict sounds like a criminal prosecution, but the conviction that I'm talking about is a firm belief or opinion. So what the Holy Spirit comes in to do, he comes in to not convict you, but to convince you. He wants to convince you of this. He wants you to convince you that the world, that he wants us to convince the world of sin. We are naturally rebels. We're naturally going against the, the, what God wants us to do. We have the devil on one shoulder. Y'all remember that? And you got the angel on the other side and they're fighting back and forth and trying to figure out, okay, should I do this? And don't you do that. Yes, I'm gonna do that. But they go back and forth with those things. But what he does is everyone has it. I had this conversation the other night. Everybody has that little voice inside of them, right? That tells you right from wrong. And before, you may not have known it, but you've had, you got the Holy Spirit with you pretty much all the time, even when you don't, don't, don't know Jesus. That's controversial. But who is that little conscious? Who is that little person sitting on your side saying, maybe you shouldn't go into that relationship. Maybe you should steer clear from that party. Maybe you shouldn't go to that place where you've always went. And it is the, it's the Holy Spirit convincing you that he's got better for you. He makes people aware by drawing them. Let me tell you what happens. John 6, 44, it says, no one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
No one could come. I believe there's a time in every single person's life, every person's life, when God draws you, when he starts speaking to your heart. There are times when he, he spoke to my heart many, many times. There's been a lot of times when I walked and went the other way because of fear and because I didn't want to go. But there are times when he speaks to you. But he has to convince them that you have a savior. His spirit is everywhere. You don't have to be saved in a church. You don't have to be saved in a church. There's people that got saved in a hotel. After all, you're probably not gonna, you're not gonna die in a funeral home, are you? Think about it. That'd be very convenient. You could, they could just take you and go right on. So we have to understand that the church is not, the church is, is God's body, but you can be saved anywhere and the Holy Spirit can grab hold of people in their bedrooms and they're glad that they're work. If you decide to listen, if you decide not to, let me, hold on. Is conviction, is conviction a good thing or a bad thing? Conviction is a good thing because when it, it keeps you on the right path, it makes you aware, it keeps you connected and sin separates you and it makes you not be able to hear the voice of God. If you decide not to listen to the Holy Spirit before too long, your spirit becomes dull. Have you ever been in church and, and everything was going great for several months and then all of a sudden you miss one? This is Pastor Minnie's favorite one. You miss one, you're dying. Say it. One, you're sick. Two, you're dying. Three, you're dead. Have you ever missed three or four or five services and all of a sudden your spirit just feels like it needs something? Oh my gosh, I don't know what in the world. I can remember missing six months of church one time, running away from God, and man, my spirit felt so dead. I, I didn't feel like I, I, I had any direction. But we, and when we become dull and, and insensitive, we become given to sin. It becomes more and more prevalent in our life. But what he does too is he also has convinced the world of righteousness, and this is good. There's a book I'm reading right now, is The God I Never Knew, and I got some of these notes from this right here. And it was, and it, the definition of righteousness is not right behavior. It's not right behavior. We should have high moral standards as a Christian. We should wanna let our light so shine that men will come to God. We should wanna live our lives sin free if we possibly can. But what happens is, is, is we fall short and we fail because we give up because we can't be perfect. How many of y'all out there trying to strive for perfection? I have. I've tried. I am pretty perfect, but I'm not. My wife is like, give me dirty looks right now. She's like, you are not perfect. But we have cheat days that last for weeks and months. Right or wrong? And all of a sudden we turn around and we don't see the immediate results that we want in our lives. And what do we do? We give up. You know why? Because this Christian walk that you're walking right now is hard. If it was easy, mm, Come on. It's hard. It takes work. It takes diligence. It takes, I'm doing the couch to 5K right now and it's, it's about to kill a brother, but I'm telling you what, I am convinced that I'm gonna run 5K in a couple of months. But I love this. We have to be convinced that his righteousness even exists. Here was my mind. I always felt like I wasn't worthy enough or I would never measure up to what God wanted me to do. 
because I was raised and because you had to go to the altar almost every time you said a cuss word and every time, you know, I didn't understand the grace of God. I didn't understand that God loves you right where you're at. Does he want you to keep going back to that thing? No, he does not, but he loves you through the process. But I never could understand that because all I had was guilt and condemnation. But his job was to convince you that you are in right standing with God. And you know what puts you in right standing with God? Saying yes to Jesus. Jesus, I come to you and I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need you, Jesus. I've messed up. And let me tell you something that happens. It's not complicated to come to God. God says, just come to me with your whole heart and start speaking those things. The Holy Spirit's role is to convince us that we are right standing with God. Jesus paid the price when he said it is finished. He died for your sins, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. When he said it is finished, he said it's done. The Holy Spirit has to convince you that you can come boldly to the throne. How many of us come boldly to the throne? How many of us come in prayer and say, man, I'm about to go up in here. God's gonna give me anything I want. No, we don't. We go into it and we're like, God, I hope you're hearing me. Listen to me. I hope you're hearing me. I don't know if you're really out there, but, but could you help me out just a little bit? The Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. The Bible says we can come and we have access to God. And when we have access to God, he opens his arms up and he welcomes us. He embraces us as sons and daughters. As Soon as we figure out who we are, we're gonna change the world. I'm almost done. Band, y'all can come on. Another thing that he does, I usually just give him a nod. That was my bad. (laughs) This is also what else he does. He convinces us of judgment. Ooh, that's a hard one right there. John 16, 11 says this, of judgment because the ruler, listen to me, the ruler of this world is judged. I want to give you some information that you may not know. The enemy has been defeated. We already won. He's been judged. He has no access in heaven anymore to accuse you of what you've done. He, he's been, he has came, ooh, I love it. He has no authority in your life, but the authority that you give him. When you give him the authority, that's what he has right there. The blood has covered all of our sins. The cross is a reminder that he took all the judgment to himself. God couldn't look at him because you know why? Because he was looking down at your sin and your sin and your sin. And he was looking at the sin coming up in the future and he was saying, I'm covering them all with one shot right now. The tomb shows us what? That we can live. It's a place of death to the world, but it's a place of living and rising up to the Christian person. Now listen, Pastor Rich, are you saying that I won't be judged? Don't you judge me. If you don't know Jesus and you don't make him your personal savior, there will be a day when you're gonna have to stand and give an account. I would be an heir if I didn't tell you this. There's gonna be a day you're gonna have to stand and give an account to, to God. And the Bible says he's a just God and he will stand in judgment for what you did on this earth. Not every mistake you made because it's covered under the blood. Not everything you did, but by accepting him as as your savior and personal savior. I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit is. Y'all stand with me real quick.
The Holy Spirit is our helper. If you get nothing else out of this, I want, I want you to get a few of these things right here. He's our helper and he's our guide. Before the day of Pentecost, the disciples didn't understand anything. Listen to me. They didn't understand anything about the Old Testament. That's all they had. They didn't understand the scriptures. But after that day, they understood that all of the prophets and all of the New Testament was pointing to Jesus, to that time. Read your word and ask him for help. I have so many people tell me, Pastor Rich, I don't understand the Bible, therefore I won't read it. I don't understand uh, anything about it, so when I start reading it, I just shut it because I don't wanna go that way. How about if we approached it this way and say, God, I'm about to open this book and I really don't understand it, but Holy Spirit, I'm gonna ask you right now, as I unfold these pages, I would love for you to help me to understand. The Bible says that he will, he will, he'll lead you and he'll guide you into all truth. Start reading your word, it'll help you. Before that day, they had no power. They were afraid, they were hiding out. But after that day, it says Peter stood up and he spoke these words. Here's a man that ran some few chapters back, but he spoke those words. But afterward, they were bold and they were courageous. Ask him for help. Say, God, I don't have the right words to say to my coworker, but I know they need Jesus. I don't have the right words to say to, to my school, but I know they need Jesus. God, this friend that you've been, oh, come on, that you've been highlighting in my life that I need to speak to you. I'm scared to speak to him. Holy Spirit, will you put the words in my mouth to where I don't have to worry about what I'm gonna say, but what you say. But I'm telling someone this morning this. He is your friend and he is your comforter. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.